cutting taxes is the right thing to do morally and economically. Morally, because the state doesn't spend its own money. It spends the people's money. Economically, because if people keep more of their own money, they're inspired to do more of what they do best. That's what grows the economy. On Wednesday, Britain's new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, addressed her party at the annual Conservative Conference in Birmingham. During this speech, she mostly talked about what people expected. Her agenda, which is to lower taxes and encourage people to invest back into the economy. What people are now calling Trussonomics. When the government plays too big a role, people feel smaller. High taxes mean you feel it's less worthwhile working that extra hour, going for a better job, or setting up your own business. That's, my friends, is why we are cutting taxes. There was a ton of clapping from the audience, and at points it sounded like she was taking a victory lap. But the thing is, that couldn't be further from the truth. Because when Truss implemented some of her tax cuts a few weeks ago, it caused chaos. British pound, folks, has hit its lowest ever level against the US dollar. The Bank of England has said that it will buy as many long-dated government bonds as required between now and October 14. So this is a window as it looks to stabilise financial markets. It's launching a temporary UK government bond buying programme to try to get long-term borrowing costs down. Well, it came after a rare rebuke from the International Monetary Fund, one of the world's most important financial institutions, which warned that the government's plans for tax cuts are risky and they could accelerate inflation and increase inequality. They've, you know, it seems like they've made some some pretty big miscalculations and that's why we've saw the, the pound plummet and the central bank having to come in with some, you know, highly unusual interventions. Carla Adam is a London correspondent for The Post. She's been reporting on the fallout of Liz Truss's tax policies and where this mess leaves her and where all this leaves the Tories, the British Conservative Party. You know, they've dropped by 20 to 30 points in the polls in just over a week. And and that's astonishing. I mean, if there was an election today, the opposition Labour Party would see its biggest ever majority. The Conservative Party would be wiped out. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Arjun Singh. It's Thursday, October 6th. Today, Boris Johnson is out after a series of scandals. But the new leader who has replaced him hasn't helped to settle things down. We'll talk about what this means for British politics and what we can learn from this month of political and economic turmoil in the UK. Liz Truss replaced Boris Johnson, and she came into a power a month ago. And before becoming prime minister, she has several senior jobs in different governments, but she's not really well known to the wider British public. And she didn't have to win a general election to come into power. She had to win over the Tory grassroots to become prime minister. And that's about 160,000 people or so. They tend to be older and wealthier and whiter than the average population. Uh, And they also love tax cuts. You know, saying you're going to cut taxes is like throwing red meat at them. And at the moment, we've got the highest taxes for 70 years. That's why I believe in lower taxes to get growth going, to encourage businesses to invest. And that way, there'll be more money in people's pockets. That's what she promised, and that's what she delivered. Let's break down Truss's tax policy. 
what is the exact idea that she is going for here and how is she hoping to achieve that? I think a lot of people thought that she might be a continuity character, sort of Boris Johnson 2.0 or Boris Johnson without the scandals. Um, but it, it turns out she she has quite a different economic vision for the country. So, uh, you know, about a year ago, Boris Johnson said, you know, we're going to have to raise some taxes, even though it's not a very Tory thing to do or want to do, but we're going to have to raise some taxes to help pay for the very big bills from the pandemic. And we have Liz Truss coming in saying, actually, we're going to cut taxes. And it's a bit like a throwback to the 1980s. It's a bit like Reaganomics. And her gamble is that these tax cuts will then lead to a sustained increase in the UK's growth rate, and then, you know, this will help to fund public services and eventually pay down the debt. And this argument is sometimes called trickle-down economics. And, you know, even if you're giving tax cuts to the wealthiest, it will drive up growth and raise living standards for everyone. So that that was the plan. That's trussonomics. And it's it is very different from from the Johnson government or her or her predecessors. So in the so-called mini-budget that was outlined on September 23rd, the Trust government, they unveiled £45 billion worth of tax cuts. I'm just looking at the pounds, and it is, it's ticking every second, and it's, it's ticking lower. Actually, maybe we can show you a chart on the screen, because it is quite dramatic. This included scrapping the top tax rate for the wealthiest, and that would be for those earning over £150,000, they would benefit the most. Now, most people in the UK don't earn £150,000, which probably explains it wasn't hugely popular. She also unveiled an energy policy that would affect people more broadly and would help insulate energy bills as of the beginning of October. But to pay for this entire economic package, the government said it was going to borrow billions. Um, Investors were very spooked by this. The pound plunged. uh, The Conservative Party polls plunged. So there has been a lot that's happened. Um, and and I think a lot of damage has been done, you know, because of these, these pretty radical plans. And what is Truss's reaction or has she defended these things? I know she gave the speech on Wednesday, but how has she responded to this big blowback from both the Bank of England and the business community? So the Truss government has performed a really screeching U-turn on Monday where they dropped the most controversial parts of their economic plan. And by screeching, I mean the day before she was defending it, and then on the Monday, she she ditched it. Also, though, it was interesting in her speech on Wednesday where she she came out really defending her economic vision for the country. I mean, she didn't offer an apology for the economic turbulence of the last few days. I mean, she did say, I get it. And, you know, this this one policy was a distraction, and that's why we ditched it. The fact is that the abolition of the 45p tax rate became a distraction from the major parts of our growth plan. That is why we're no longer proceeding with it. I get it, and I have listened. But she was also incredibly defiant. I mean, she came out saying that her critics were wrong, wrong, wrong. From broadcast to podcast... They peddle the same old answers. It's always more taxes, more regulation, and more meddling. Wrong, wrong, wrong. She talked about 
this new grouping that she called the Anti-Growth Coalition. She didn't indicate how she would address any of the issues that set the financial markets on fire. So I think on the whole, she's pressing forward with low taxes and a small state kind of Reaganomics kind of uh, economic package. She's still pushing forward with that. I am clear we cannot pave the way to sustainable economic growth without fiscal responsibility. So we will bring down debt as a proportion of our national income. You know, the Tories have been behind, I mean, we can talk about their polls in the last week or so where they've nosedived, but they've also been behind in the polls for the whole year. Um, and their team trust is, is probably thinking, look, we only have you know, just over two years before we have to call the next general election. And you know, we have to do something pretty big if we want to turn things around. And this is their gamble. After the break, Liz Truss's unlikely path to power and how the past month could spell the end of conservative dominance in British politics. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. You know, Carla, I'm looking at this through what I know sitting here in the U.S. and D.C. and being an observer of American politics. But what you're describing sounds like something that an unseasoned or someone who is an unskilled politician, you might expect this kind of an outcome from their election. But Liz Truss has served in the government in some capacities before. Can you tell me more about her and who she is. How did she come to power? What What is her background exactly? Yeah, so Liz Truss, uh, she's, she's been a politician for a long time. She's served in uh, various prime ministers' governments in, in quite a senior role before being prime minister. She was most recently foreign secretary. She's been very outspoken on Ukraine. If Putin succeeds, there will be untold further misery across Europe and terrible consequences across the globe. We would never feel safe again. So we must be prepared for the long haul. We've got to double down on our support for Ukraine. And we must follow through on the unity that we've shown in the crisis. She's a bit of a shapeshifter politician, or she was anti-Brexit until she wasn't. (laughs) She was a Liberal Democrat until she wasn't. She's She's sort of modeled herself after Margaret Thatcher, Britain's first female prime minister. But in some ways, you know, that people I've been talking to have made the point that, you know, while Margaret Thatcher is quite well known for her radical policies and for slashing taxes, she was also quite a cautious politician. She sort of picked her moments where Liz Truss has really come out of the gates and, you know, really early on in her her premiership, you know, we're only a month in, you know, she's announced, you know, a pretty big shakeup 
to the economy. And remember, she came into power a month ago. Two days after she became prime minister, the queen died. And so there was so two weeks really of, um, of, of mourning and the lead up to the funeral. And Liz Truss actually went with the new king, King Charles III, on a tour of the United Kingdom. So she visited all four nations with him, but she played a very minor role. There was a moment when Australian broadcasters thought, that she was a minor royal. You know, they weren't even sure who, who she was when she appeared on television at the Queen's funeral. No, hard to identify. Maybe uh, minor royals, members of the... I can't identify them we at this point. We can't spot everyone, no. unfortunately. They look like they could well be local dignitaries. It's hard to see. We're looking at the back of their heads mostly. But I think we are now getting to the pointy end, as they say, of the... was. I'm just told that was Liz Truss, the new Prime Minister, in the distance that we could see hopping Going out of that car. Well, thank you very much. She, you know, wasn't really hugely well-known to the British public until the last couple of weeks where where her government has and, and its economic policies have really dominated the headlines here. So what about, we've talked a lot about the Conservative Party, but the other major party, Labour, do they see a giant opportunity to come back into power? I think you have to go back to 2010 since there was a Labour prime minister in the UK. How has this played out for the Labour Party? And what does that kind of say about British politics right now? Yeah, well, Christmas has come early for the Labour Party. <laughs> I mean, they, they you know, they're 20 to 30 points ahead in the polls. They very much appear like a government in waiting, especially in contrast to the Tories. And, you know, the... The Labour Party will try to to capitalize um, on the support that that they have, and I think one of the things that's really interesting here is how UK politics really isn't polarized in the same way that American politics is. Party loyalty in in the United Kingdom is much more fluid, and it, it was really upended quite dramatically uh, in with with the Brexit vote. Where you know you'd have people who whose parents and grandparents always voted Labour, but they supported Brexit, so they found themselves supporting the Conservatives and supporting Boris Johnson in the last election. So Brexit upends party loyalty, and what that means is that there's this kind of group of floating voters in in the in the middle, and they can swing from one party to the next. Uh, so even though currently they've swung massively, I mean. I mean, big shifts in a very short period of time towards the Labour Party, that doesn't mean that they couldn't swing back. The Conservative Party, I think what's been hugely damaging for them is that they have lost their reputation for economic competence. And that has traditionally been seen as a thing that they're strongest at. You know, the Conservative Party has been in power here in the UK for 12 years. And I think that there's a certain level of fatigue with the Conservative Party uh, that you might get with any party that has been in power for that long. And you know, I think millions of people here are feeling the squeeze from a cost of living crisis. Uh, and you know, people's real wages have also been stagnating for many years. And um, you know, I, I think that you know, with the economy the way it is, and we have soaring energy bills, and you know we're seeing um, you know cost more money to put fuel in your car, and you know to seeing our grocery bills rise. Um, voters are are very concerned about where things are economically, and I, I think that you know whichever party 
offers solutions to the cost of living crisis will be seen as an attractive option right now. Carla, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, Arjun. Really appreciate it. Carla Adam is our London correspondent. Sabby Robinson produced this story. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show is mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Maggie Penman. I'm Arjun Singh. We'll be right back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.